Blog Talk Radio. This is the Mike Savilla Radio Program for Thursday, August 29, 2013. On today's show, did you know that episode number one was this week in 2007? That's right. We'll be celebrating that today. Also, I'll be reviewing my weekend in Boston last week, including the Primary Care Progress Leadership Summit, and also a visit with a longtime social media friend. That'll be fun to talk about. And uh, the flashback segment today will be going all the way back to episode 37, back on June 6th, 2008. All that and a lot more coming up on episode 314. Ladies and gentlemen, the former president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, my good friend, Dr. Glenn Stream. Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interest is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and, and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFP Prez, P-R-E-Z, I already have 29 followers. I feel so proud. Um, I have a long, long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000, um, and our, uh, our king of family medicine social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has uh, nearly 7,000 uh, members. That's right. Welcome to the show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Mike Sevilla Radio Program. I am your host, Dr. Mike Sevilla, the one-man social media machine for seven years running. Check out the site, drmikesevilla.com. And uh, what is this show about? I tell people this is a commentary about uh, medicine, social media, leadership, life, and anything else that I can think of. Today is Thursday, August 29th, 2013. It is 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And uh, here at uh, Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, uh, it is still feeling like 85 degrees. So uh, still summer is still hanging on here in northeastern Ohio. How has your week been going here locally, that's right, kids, it is County Fair time. That's right, the 167th edition of the Campfield Fair is going on right now. And my Facebook timeline is full of people getting their corn dogs. That's right, it's not code for anything. Growing up in these parts, you know it's the end of summer because most schools go back after Labor Day and this weekend at the Canfield Fair is the last blowout weekend for all those kids going back to school next week. Lots of great memories from there. Some of them I actually remember. <laughs> and, you know, even the county fair has a smartphone app. Did you know that, kids? The coolest thing is that it marks where your car is at 
with lots of stories which I cannot share on the air of me forgetting where I parked the car. <laughs> and that's the news from Lake Wobegon, where all the women are strong, all the men are good-looking, and all the children are above average. Please don't sue me for copyright. I just always wanted to say that. <laughs> How are you doing out there, people? There will be uh, three main topics we'll be talking about on today's show. First, the anniversary. This is the anniversary show. This show started on Blog Talk Radio on August 30th, 2007. That's right. That's, that's before most of you were social media born. <laughs> I know what that means. Get off my lawn, you kids. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, and topic two will be uh, very cool. Last week I was in the Boston area. Last weekend with our friends at primarycareprogress.org, their awesome leadership summit, and I'll be sharing about that. And uh, the last segment, the flashback segment, and uh, I'll be uh, playing an interview from all the way back in 2008, June 6, 2008, episode number 37. Today is episode 314, so... Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for not canceling me. <laughs> uh, but before we get to all that, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host on this network. Thank you so much for that. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005. And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a family physician in full-time private practice here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. So I will take my break, and uh, we'll be talking about the anniversary of this uh, show. You're listening to the Mike Savella Radio Program, a proud member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com, and we'll be right back. Radio program. Check it out at drmikesavilla.com. That's right. Episode one was August 30th, 2007. You can find it on iTunes, and I also played a snippet of it last time on episode 313. And uh, first off, I do want to thank everybody out there for your continued support of me and of the show and of the blog. I have no idea why you do that. Uh, but uh, I say this a lot. I am humbled. I am humbled by people who want to hear what I am going to talk about. Uh, it is uh, the social media thing has just been a a, a great ride for me over the uh, past few years, and I have gotten to meet a lot of people digitally. Got to meet a lot of people online, who then I have I have went to meet in person. 
and uh, I just I cannot tell you how much how much fun I have had over the past few years uh, being silly online, uh, telling my story, correcting bad information that's out there, doing some patient education, doing some advocacy work out there. All that because of social media. If you would have told me back back in the day, <laughs> back in high school and college and even medical school, uh, that I would be this pseudo-internet superstar, wouldn't even know what the internet is. I remember getting my first, uh, I could get nostalgic here. Remember getting your first email address? <laughs> That's right, email address. Remember getting your first uh, smartphone, uh, your first uh, phone in general, cell phone? It was like one of those brick phones. Remember what your first computer is? I know all the geeks out there are like, you know, having fun with this. All you non-geeks, I know you just have to tolerate this for a few minutes as I get nostalgic here. (laughs) Who would have known it would have uh, got to this where uh, people know me for talking into a microphone in this lonely little room in the Dr. Mike Sevilla studios here in beautiful Northeastern Ohio. So it, it's been fun to uh, listen to some of the old episodes. I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, sharing them with them here with you so that you don't have to go back and download them all. <laughs> I will share them with you, uh, uh, especially as, as I've seen people, my peers, my peers who I have started with, uh, back five, six, seven years ago, who are taking different paths now, who are not as uh, out there, who are, who have retired, or who have gone on to bigger and better things, or who said I'm done. So it will be, it will be fun to go back and uh, listen to all that stuff, read some of all that stuff, and give you give you kids out there some of the history of this. You need to know some of the history of the social media people that came before you that laid the groundwork for you out there (laughs) so you can be out there twerking on YouTube. You'll know what that is. Just just Google that. Just just Google that. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, So, so, um, so thanks. Yeah. Thanks again for all your support. Just for me on Twitter and Facebook and the podcast and, and all of my uh, social media projects. Um, It's, it's been fun. I, I, uh, I won't go over the whole quitting thing again, uh, but I quit and I came back and uh, um, and uh, you know it's uh, I won't review that whole thing, but it was fun to do and it was fun to take a break and, and now I'm back and and uh, not as intense as before, being a little bit more choosy about being online and and how much I am online and maybe I'll share some of that stuff on the air here as well as far as Mike, how do you have the time for all this? That is always an ongoing question uh, that I have uh, from people. So, um, uh, so thanks again there for uh, for all of that. And uh, my uh, my topic topic two will be uh, coming up here, and uh, I will talk about my uh, my time in uh, my time in Boston here coming up. So, uh, uh, stay tuned here on the Mexavilla Radio Program. Go to drmexavilla.com and. Uh, we will be right back after I find a song here to, to go to. I haven't podcasted here in a while, so I will. <laughs> I don't remember how to do this. Oh, man, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
And welcome back to the Dr. Mike Sabella radio program. And uh, so what's the topic two here uh, is uh, this is a little uh, little inside joke here. A little inside baseball here, kids. (laughs) (laughs) So bear with me. So topic two starts like this. Before that, before that, breaking breaking news here, kids. Breaking news here. We're, uh, we have a, we have a friend on the line, a friend who is uh, is calling and who has alerted me. He's called, and I usually don't take calls because it's usually riffraff. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's see, Mister uh, Mister Greg Freeze is on the line here. Uh, how, how are you, sir? I I'm very good. Uh, very good. Thanks for taking my call. How you been? How you been? Uh, thanks for I've calling been in. Good. My, you know, my ears perked up when you said a few moments ago that uh, you know some podcasts have been have been able to leave podcasting and move on to bigger and better things, and I want to know how to do that because uh, <laughs> I'm still podcasting all these years, just like you. We're still here. We we haven't we haven't uh, we haven't sold our souls there, uh, Greg. We're still uh, doing our thing. <laughs> Yeah, that uh I thought oh there's there's something after podcasting. I got to uh I got to find out what that is. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't found it either, my friend. I I don't uh, okay. uh, I don't know. <laughs> so what's your uh secret sauce for longevity? Um take uh, uh take a lot of breaks. Uh don't get uh, don't get burned out and uh don't try to get caught up in the hype. If you, okay. if, if you start believing your own hype, uh, you'll uh, you'll crash and burn. I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm still waiting for the hype. Uh, seven years from now, who will you have had on as a guest in the next seven years that you'll look back on and be like, "Oh, I can't believe I got so and so to come on the show, and that was awesome." Probably you, Greg. That's uh, you'll be the only you'll be the only guest left who who want to come on my show. Because <laughs> I love an audience. I love an audience. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I read these things all the time that uh, you know, podcasting is dying and podcasting is making a comeback, and uh, social media is going out and social media is coming back in and. I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I I still think this is fun, and I still think that uh, it's fun talking with people. It's fun talking to myself. It's fun sharing information, uh, and uh, it's fun connecting with people like you. You know, without social media, I, I would have never had uh, uh, had connected with the uh, the EMS community and and seeing all the great right. stuff you guys are doing out there. And I know you're doing a lot of great stuff with education. Uh, and I, I've learned a lot from all the people that. Uh, that I've run into doing this stuff. See how like being part of the pro med network has uh, introduced a lot of us to one another that uh, I was real focused on the EMS side of podcasting, but being part of the pro med network uh, opened me up to the other topics and shows and 
things to listen to as well. So, but I just want to give you a, a big congratulations and uh, seven years and, you know, you just got to keep me posted when you find out what that bigger and better thing is because <laughs> I'm going to follow you. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I, I I think it was maybe a couple months ago. Um, I I think I heard uh, UD was a Google Plus uh, meeting or something like that, kind of an EMS state of podcasting or something like that. I think oh yeah yeah somewhere. Uh, and uh, it was it was good kind of seeing uh, seeing you guys kind of reminisce a little bit as far as uh, your own personal beginnings and the beginnings of uh, EMS social media, EMS uh, podcasting. That was fun to kind of listen to that. Well, yeah, that um, yeah, it was the state of EMS podcasting. Myself and Jamie Davis, Jim Hoffman, and uh, John Broyles were four folks that are fairly regularly uh, producing content for the EMT and paramedic audience. Uh, Chris uh, Montera has recently relaunched the EMS Garage podcast after a fairly long hiatus, but he promises a lot of new shows and. Uh, the EMS Leadership Podcast uh, comes out, and Emergency Medical Services. Maybe you have listeners that aren't familiar with the, that acronym, but it's EMTs and paramedics that answer 911 calls and uh, move uh, injured people from home and accidents to the hospital or even between hospitals or sometimes even the family practice office, right, when somebody comes in and you say, oh, you should not be here. You should be in the emergency department. Yes, yeah, so we we get that sometimes. Uh, you know, people who don't want to go to the ER for one reason or another, and you get there, and they're like, "You're a little bit more serious than what we can handle, but we'll 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 try to do what we can to get you to the hospital." <laughs> yeah, right on, right on. We appreciate that. Uh, keep sending them, um, and uh, keep doing the show as long as it's fun for you and you get uh, good stuff out of it. Uh, carry on. Yeah, before I let you go, Greg, uh, I know you kind of hinted at our at already, but uh, you know, go ahead and, and uh, you know plug your projects and, and your shows there. I I I, uh, uh, I invite my audience to kind of check out you know things that you're doing. Uh, what what uh, you're, you're just doing your uh, EMS Educast? Yeah, yeah. So the EMS Educast is the podcast by and for EMS educators, so the folks that teach EMTs and paramedics, and it's myself and Rob Toon, uh, Rob. Rob Terrio and Bill Toon. Uh, we have new shows every maybe two or three times a month. We're closing in on episode 180, and you can find that at emseducast.com as well as the ProMed Network. And uh, we've got some sort of uh, error going on right now, and the show's not available on iTunes, but we're working hard to fix that because that's the place you want to be. And, um, and so that's uh, a good place to start. And of course, I have a social media problem, kind of like you, and I spend a lot of time on Twitter, at Freeze, as well as uh, Facebook and um, all those other spots. So uh, thanks for the opportunity to say hello, and I uh, wish you the best. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And also, I, w- I want to plug your, your uh, you guys' uh, in-person meetings. They're always fun. Um, I know there's always one in the spring, and there's always one in the fall. Uh, I think EMS Today and EMS Expo, that, that's where the real fun is, uh, getting people yeah. in person uh, after connecting all year. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to get back to one of those uh, in-person meetings because you guys really know uh, how to – not only have a good time in person, but also even do like live podcasting at meeting sites, which is uh, very fascinating to me. And I've been trying to get my own family medicine community to do that a little bit. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's even more fun uh, getting to 
uh, see people in person, don't you think, Greg? Oh, yeah. So we'll be at EMS World Expo in Las Vegas uh, in a couple weeks, and you can just go to emsworldexpo.com. But the Metacast that Jamie Davis hosts, he's our real coordinator of those uh, live podcasting shows, but we'll have a booth in the trade show exhibit hall, really, I guess, much bigger area than a sort of standard booth where we'll be doing uh, live episodes of shows all day long. Sometimes those get streamed live on the web. I, I set my episodes up as um, as short interviews um, with people that are presenting or visiting uh, the expo where we talk about maybe hot products in the exhibit hall or presenters that they have seen. And it's a way for us, um, you know, family medicine community might be kind of similar, but even in a show like the EMS World Expo that attracts, say, 5,000 or more EMTs and paramedics, that's just a fraction of the total population of EMTs and paramedics. So by live uh, podcasting and then archiving those shows, we can bring some of the content and excitement of uh, EMS Expo or EMS Today, which will be in February in Washington, D.C. We can bring that to the much larger uh, EMS community and share out uh, the excitement of, uh, of a large trade show. And, uh, you know, I can only speak for myself, and uh, I, I always go to bed early at trade shows. I have uh, too much to do to <laughs> stay up late to enjoy the uh, wild nightlife, but I understand a lot of my colleagues uh, really enjoy it. <laughs> That's a good denial. Well, nice work. Uh, well, th- excellent, Greg, for, for Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say what I always like to do is uh, get up early and go running. Uh, fitness is fairly important to me. Uh, so I like, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks when we're in Las Vegas, just uh, right before sunrise is the perfect time to go out for a run on the strip. Run from, you know, I'll go all the way from, I think it's Stratosphere, all the way to Mandalay Bay and back and um, sort of take in the sites. The sidewalks are fairly empty, so you can run, but there's still enough people sort of uh, stumbling out of the casinos uh, that you can have some interesting <laughs> people watching. So if anyone wants to join me for a sunrise run on the strip, uh, that's where I'll be a couple mornings during the EMS World Expo. Very good. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, very uh, curious following the Twitter feed for that. I'll be uh, sharing that out as well. And uh, uh, Greg, thanks so much, not only for calling in, but uh, but, but your support of, of me and the stuff that I do through the years. It's, it's been fun uh, to uh, to have us uh, kind of share our stories and see how we can, you know, we're working together, you know, it's for, for best patient care. It's, it's just been a, a great ride and I want to thank you again for calling in the show today. Well, happy to do so. And seven years, like whoever would have figured you'd spend one-fourth of your uh, young life podcasting. <sighs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> i got to think about that now. <laughs> Reevaluating right, your priorities. All right, day. bye-bye. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> That's Greg Freeze, uh, my good friend there from the EMS community. Go go check out what they're doing there. They're uh, they, they have a community out there, a lot of geeky type people, and uh, they have helped me a lot uh, through the years, and uh, it's it's been fun. Uh, I usually don't do this, but you know, uh, I guess for the anniversary show, I can I can open up the phone lines here. If you're going to be calling in, just uh, give me a little uh, direct message on uh, on Twitter or a message on uh, Facebook. 
if you want to uh, come on the show. Usually when people call in, it's people trying to, you know, be jerks about it. <laughs> so that's why I don't take a lot of calls. But 646-716-9514 and give me a little, uh, give me a little shout out there on, on Twitter or uh, Facebook. Uh, if you want to come on and chat. So I will take another quick break here, and then I will uh, get back to uh, topic two uh, from my uh, fun time in Boston last week. You're listening to the Mike Savilla radio program here live on a Thursday afternoon here on the Block Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back. to the Mike Spiller Radio Program, episode 314, back better than ever. So, um, so yeah, last weekend I was in the great city of Boston, and uh, I was uh, visiting our friends at uh, PrimaryCareProgress.org, and uh, they had their uh, second annual leadership summit uh, named after Dr. Greg Strax, and uh, their site is still up there. You can go to PrimaryCareProgress.org slash summit 2013. And uh, it was it was a good time. I, I I saw the kind of the YouTube uh, summary from the 2012 uh, meeting, and uh, I got to meet the team uh, last month uh, when I was there. And uh, I have a, a little essay about it at drmikesvilla.com, so I won't bore you with that. Uh, but this uh, this meeting was uh, a unique type of meeting. Uh, Many of the people there, if not uh, all of the, uh, the the people there, uh, were trainees, meaning students, but not only medical students. Um, I believe there were also uh, nursing students, PA students, NP students, I believe, who were there, pharmacy students uh, as well. And uh, so, so what the meeting was, it's, it's not your typical type of leadership meeting. It was uh, There was a lot of activity. There was a lot of work that was done there, and uh, they had a, a couple of great uh, – a couple of great speakers, and I did write an essay. I did write a blog post about this at drmikesabella.com, and uh, actually I threw a re- uh, wrote three blog posts about it. Uh, but the most recent one is from August 25th. It's called Primary Care Advocacy by Students, and you can check that out at drmikesabella.com. Uh, and uh, they had these um, leaders uh, talking about their experiences through the years, Dr. Marshall Gantz and Dr. Claudia Fagan. And they talked about um, their experiences in organizing, experiences in bringing about change, uh, and giving tips to the participants on how to do that. And, you know, leadership, uh, leader, very, there are very few leaders who are born leaders. I mean, for for most of us out here, you know, there there are leadership skills that people um, can learn, have to learn, and uh, you know, so, some of the skills, you know, that they have to do. And, and leadership is more than than reading and memorizing 
uh, talking points. It's more than that. It, it, it is bringing yourself into the advocacy story. This is why I think a change should be brought about because this happened to me or that happened to me or this happened to my patient or that happened to my patient or this or that happened to my family. And that's hard to do. It's hard to be that transparent. It's hard to include yourself in that story. But it is absolutely essential to do that. Whether you're talking to a patient, whether you're talking to someone in your community, whether you're talking to uh, a, a legislator, somebody, local, state, federal, Congress person, just thinking about it yourself, you know, if, if somebody comes up to you and says, this is, what, this is what I feel passionate about, and these are the reasons why, and they don't connect themselves to that, it's not very effective, you know. So this is why I think primary care should be, you know, more recognized or more valued. I mean, if it's, not, if it's not included that I am a primary care physician, if I am a family physician, it loses some of that, don't you think? I'm just some random guy out there, you know. I mean, of course, there are people who, who are effective communicators, but they do that by including themselves in the story. And, and that's what this weekend was about. It's hard to really explain unless you're actually there. But you had all of these students from all across the country come to this summit. And for the most part, you know, these people did not know each other. And they're asking to share of themselves during this two-day meeting. And it is a, a big wall to climb uh, to do that. Uh, I don't know if I could ever do that. <laughs> it is kind of an express. A course on how to do this, and and uh, I heard some stories, you know, through the weekend that are very moving. They're very powerful. They're very personal. Uh, that I can't believe people were sharing, but but it shows me that they trusted the process. They trusted the process that say, hey, you know, the the greater good here is to get the word out about primary care, to get the word out about family medicine. And um, it was great seeing all these teams from uh, different parts of the country, the team leaders, the coaches, the staff from Primary Care Progress, all working together towards uh, the, uh, the goal. And these were long days. I mean, they started at 8 o'clock in the morning, and they ended sometimes at, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night for these two days. I don't know how these people did it. <laughs> uh, and if you go to drmikesavilla.com, you'll see an essay, and you'll see some of the tweets that were out on day one. You, you, they're up at drmikesavilla.com. And there's also pictures up there, too. Of course, you know, if you weren't there, then they won't have the same meeting. But but I'm hoping that that people who are at the meeting will at least, you know, Check out my site, check out this show, and it will help reignite some of the excitement, some of the anger, some of the passion that you had last weekend to bring about change in your community, in your school, 
uh, and at the state, uh, national, and uh, and local levels. Uh, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping some of the friends that I made last week from across the country will will even start using using social media more to tell their story. Because you know, back when I was in school, we didn't have this social media thing. You know, we, <laughs> we were relying on letter writing. We were relying on phone calls. Now it's all about texting and tweeting and Facebook and Pinterest and Vine and all that stuff. You have a, a great opportunity out there to continue the momentum that was started. I tell this to my family medicine friends all the time. You know, I, I, I go to these primary care meetings. I go to these family medicine meetings. We all get all revved up, and then we get on the plane, we go home, and the powerful, powerful, powerful status quo gets back on you. Regular life gets back on you, and you lose all of that. One of the things that, that I use social media more is, is for is, is, to, is to get that reinforcement from my friends across the country and said, hey, Hey, Mike, you know, we still love what you're doing. You know, keep going what you're doing. We're all in this together. And and that's one of the reasons I I use social media. And and I didn't get to say this. I didn't get to say this during during my 30-second time in the spotlight. But, But the reason I use social media from an advocacy standpoint, the reason I use social media for advocacy, for primary care, for failing medicine is that is that we as a primary care community, we as a family medicine community, we have let other people tell the primary care story and it is the wrong story. And if I had another shot at that, that would be the one-liner that I would tell these students. I mean, I'm telling them now <laughs> through podcasting. And I tell my I tell my family medicine friends this time, this all the time. You know, it's not anything new. It's not a big revelation, but it's it it really sums up why advocates do what they do. Why primary care advocates, why family medicine advocates do what they do. We have let other people tell the primary care and family medicine story, and it's the wrong story. So that's why we have to rise up and say, hey, this is what's going on. Because the side of that is that as if we as primary care and family medicine advocates don't stand up, who will? Nobody will. We have to do it. So that that's why that's why this is, you know, I, I do what I do and, and uh, it was just such great fun meeting and connecting with people at this meeting last week. There was a couple of people last weekend who came up to me, and they said, Dr. Mike, you know, I, uh, it, it is great meeting you in person. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for, for a long time. I, I heard about it from a friend of mine, and uh, it, it is so weird hearing your voice uh, coming from you and not coming out of my computer 
or out of my headphones or out of my earbuds. This is this is a surreal experience for me. <laughs> and and what do you say to that? That is just uh, that is like the coolest thing ever. Um, and uh, you know, I again, I, I like to thank all of you out there who who support me, who support this show, uh, and who support doing what I do by spreading uh, what I do out there. Uh, and uh, it, it is so much fun. It, it is. I get energized and re-energized, especially, especially when I get around the young people. Uh, because uh, you're not as uh, jaded, you're not as cynical as I am. <laughs> it gives me hope. That idealistic mind, I still need influencing me. And uh, I, I hope to continue connecting with them. I'm going to be doing some uh, work with uh, our friends at Primary Care Progress uh, to to help them uh, tell their social media story. Uh, and it's great. It's great. You know, it, it's great seeing these people that come in from across the country. You know, they have a lot of passion and energy, but they don't have a lot of structure yet. They, they don't have a lot of very directed skills yet on how you can do this more effectively. How can you communicate your story more effectively? And that's what the, and that's what leadership summaries like this do. It gives you skills that not only that you can use yourself, but you can share with your colleagues at home. It will be cool to have little, you know, mini leadership summits at the local level at some of these chapters. And I know that's what the national team is looking forward to, is to say, hey, how do you spread these skills? These are skills that are tried and true. These are skills that have been used probably for decades to help bring about change at the local, state, and national level. And it was fun being an observer to that. It was fun being a part of the media presentation um, on that, um, and, and it is great, you know, seeing these people, seeing these trainees, see the bulb go off in their head and say, "Oh, you know, social media communication is so much more powerful for advocacy than what I thought." Social media is more about it, it, social media is less about what you have for breakfast, but it is more about telling your story, telling the right story connecting with patients, connecting with people in the community. And and it was great. It was great. It, it was great seeing my friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Larry Bauer, uh, from the Family Medicine Education Consortium. He's one of the sponsors uh, for the uh, for the event. You can see the rest of the uh, sponsors at primarycareprogress.org slash summit2013. Thanks to all, all the sponsors of the event. And uh, I think they're going to be keep going without next year. So uh, and online as well, you know. I encourage you to check them out. I mean, they're uh, they're a good organization. They're a young organization, still trying to find their way, um, but uh, they're already off to a good start. Um, and yeah, big shout out to uh, to my good friend Dr. Andrew Moore Singer and also the national team up there up there in the Boston area. And we'll be uh, we'll be in touch soon, talking about stuff and uh, how we can how we can change the world. But uh, but for my listeners out there, go check them out. Go check them out, primarycareprogress.org, and uh, and check out some of the some of the uh, posts that I've had uh, last weekend uh, at uh, drmaxvilla.com, and uh, you know it won't be it won't be the last time <laughs> that I'll be 
talking about it, but, uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, you'll get to learn about them more. You get to, uh, I encourage you to follow them on Twitter and Facebook. They'll be having some good stuff out. Uh, they have this huge advocacy campaign that they're going to be uh, launching in the next few weeks. Uh, and also, you remember last year, National Primary Care Week, they were huge uh, for that out there as well. So I will uh, take another break here. And uh, after the break, I will uh, be sharing another cool thing I did in, in Boston last week, uh, which is linked to our flashback segment of the show. You're listening to the Mike Savella Radio Program live on the Blog Talk Radio Network, and we'll be right back. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. to the Mike Savella Radio Program. Uh, this is episode 314 on Thursday, August 29, 2013. Uh, so, uh, so last week, in addition to uh, going to the meeting, I got to, to meet up with a longtime friend of mine uh, who lives in the Boston area, and uh, that is uh, Dr. Gwen O'Keefe and from pediatricsnow.com. And uh, she's a pediatrician up there, as you can probably figure out. And uh, um, I'll be playing a, a podcast from our interview all the way back in 2008. She was one of the, uh, the first people uh, who uh, supported me uh, and I got to know uh, online. Uh, and I also encourage you to check out her book. Her book is called CyberSafe, Protecting and Empowering Kids in the Digital World of Texting, Gaming, and Social Media. So uh, she's, she's one of the first physician colleagues who supported me online and one of the first people I met First on Twitter and then in real life. Uh, we, we met uh, about a year uh, following uh, this 2008 interview. And uh, it was weird. It, it was weird. Uh, she was one of the first people that, that, that I first met uh, on Twitter, then, then in real life. It was kind of a little anxiety type of thing and uh, not really sure what was going to be, uh, what was going to be happening there. But, uh, uh, but we had a great chat in this interview going up and we had a great chat in real life in 2009 and we had a great chat, uh, uh, last weekend. Uh, and, and we, last weekend, you know, we, we had a great chat about, you know, how things have changed in, in social media. Uh, and we talked a lot about things like my social media break and, and, uh, what I learned is that she took a little bit of a social media break uh, as well, but she didn't tell anybody about it. Uh, and, uh, I won't share any of those details here. I'm sure she'll share her story online uh, when she's ready. Uh, but five years ago, we talked, I mean, five years ago, um, you know, when we first started uh, talking, you know, physicians really wanted to use social media for communication to correct medical information out there. But I think, you know, as I've talked about previously on this show, that things have changed so much in the, uh, at least the physician social media landscape. Uh, you know, back then, you know, success was defined as being, you know, unique on social media. You know, one of the only physicians using social media. 
and I've talked about that exhaustively. I won't I won't repeat that here. But but now success is you know is defined by the the number of Twitter uh, followers you have. You know if you don't have a hundred thousand or more, you're a big loser. You know do you have an app? Do you have a book? You know and and more about who can get more national television airtime and radio airtime these days and uh yeah, so, so we talked a lot about that it was it was great kind of venting a little bit <laughs> about uh, people we believe are the fakers the non-real people out there and i won't share uh, share them here because i'll get in big trouble um but yeah, it was it was interesting uh, talking about people who we think have changed through the years uh, from the uh, social media landscape. And uh, talk to me offline if you if you want to get my thoughts on that. Um, but the other thing that we talked about that, that that we've kind of well I've kind of stumbled into. She's probably been doing this for a long time. It's our uh, uh, interest in digital photography, and I had no I had no idea she had so much knowledge about it. Um, and uh, and I bought my you know, first kind of real digital camera recently, and and, uh, um, and she she taught me some of the manual settings on exposure and and film speed and and all that type of stuff, which I probably have all forgotten. But it was good to good to talk about non medical type of stuff. Good to talk about some geeky stuff every uh, every once in a while. So so this audio clip that I have, uh, I admit it, it, it's a long clip. It's it, it's uh, it's it's about an hour. Um, I totally understand if you don't want to listen to it all at once, but at least listen to the first, you know, three minutes uh, because uh, it's me kind of setting up the interview and it's me kind of introducing the show. And uh, it's interesting going back uh, that far to see uh, <laughs> all the mistakes that I've made and or uh, some of the same things that I do on the air <laughs> as far as my nervous little quirks. <laughs> that uh, longtime listeners have noticed uh, through the years. So, so it's been really fun for me, kind of looking back to those uh, first uh, first few shows to kind of see how what things have changed and and uh, what hasn't changed. So, and also at the beginning of this clip, first two or three minutes are, uh, you know, I, I used to have a, a huge chat room uh, then. Uh, even having people uh, log in from out of the country, international people who uh, who listen to the show live, uh, you know, in, in other countries. That was very cool back then. It was just uh, – I still can't believe people would get up in the middle of the night or get up early in the morning in their time zone uh, to uh, to listen to the show live, to participate in the live chat room. Uh, that was that really floored me uh, as well. So, uh, so that you'll get that in the first uh, two or three minutes before the interview. So, um, so before I, I play this long clip, I'm going to I will say my goodbye now because uh, this is a, this is a pretty long clip. I want to thank uh, I want to thank Greg Freeze for for calling into the show uh, today, um, and uh, I want to thank him for all of his support and, and thank the. Uh, People like the, the uh, EMS uh, community, the emergency uh, medicine community, for uh, uh, for all the uh, all the camaraderie uh, through the years. They're, they're a great community if you haven't checked them out. Uh, so so thanks for that, and um, thanks for everybody for listening to the show today. Thanks for everybody for tweeting it out. I know my friends at Primary Care Progress have been tweeting out the show uh, here as well, uh, and other people too. Uh, so uh, 
So before I play this long clip, I want to invite everybody to check out my website at drmikesavilla.com. And a big shout-out to all my uh, new social media friends uh, that I met in Boston last week at the uh, at the uh, Primary Care Progress Summit. And I've, I've been yelled at by staff. I have to use the hashtag. Hashtag next year. That we're going we're gonna to try to get going. It's, uh, it's hashtag PCP Summit 2014. PCP Summit 2014. So start using that and getting people excited about it. Uh, some people who met me last week, hey, welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to my Twitter feed. Welcome to my Facebook timeline. I'm sorry. But uh, you can check out all my social media addresses at uh, drmikesavilla.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, at Sapra. Uh, and those of you in the United States, have a happy Labor Day weekend. And uh, I'm going to be going out of town with the family on Labor Day weekend, uh, out of uh, Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters. So you, if you want to follow what I'm doing, uh, follow me on Twitter and also on Facebook. I'll probably be posting pictures up of where I will be going. That's called a tease, people. DrMikeSavilla.com, and uh, we'll talk to you all uh, very soon. Here we go. This is uh, Dr. Glenn O'Keefe from PediatricsNow.com and also the author of the book CyberSafe, Protecting and Empowering Kids in the Digital World of Texting, Gaming, and Social Media. This is Episode 37 from June 6th, 2008, and that starts right now. Have a good weekend, everybody. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening. Welcome to the Dr. Anonymous show where we go beyond the blog to bring you the best people in the medical blogosphere. I'm, of course, your humble host, Dr. Anonymous, and you can always find me at dranonymous.com. Today is Thursday, June 5th, 2008. And this is show number 37, and of course it is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and today here in northeastern Ohio, it was, it felt like 91 degrees Fahrenheit and 33 degrees Celsius, so it is getting hot around here. Our guest this evening, who will be uh, joining us in a few minutes, uh, will be uh, Dr. Gwen O'Keefe, who is a pediatrician in Massachusetts. Her uh, website is pediatricsnow.com and uh, also has a blog called Dr. Gwen is In. You can find it at uh, at, uh, pediatricsnow.blogspot.com. And uh, if you're listening live, and how can you not listen live, uh, you can also see uh, my smiling face. I am uh, looking at the chat room. Hello, chat room. Um. And uh, look at that. There's a little bit of delay, but you guys will uh, you guys will pick it up. There's already 13 people in the chat room. Four minutes into the show. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Chris Epper is here. The Scan Man is here. He twittered about uh, half an hour ago that he could not go to sleep. So I hope you got some coffee there, uh, Scan Man. That's what he said on his uh, Twitter. And uh, Keisha is here. Dr. Gwen is here. Our guest is in the chat room. So behave in there. Uh, Dr. Val, we have another guest. Uh, uh, Midnight, uh, Rural Doctoring, Many, Many Mary, Ramona, Peggy Kay, and of course, your humble host. So uh, thank you for uh, joining the show uh, this evening. And of course, I would like to thank 
Log Talk Radio for featuring the show again this evening. Oh, Bongi Yakim is, is in the chat room too. So, uh, welcome. All right, uh, welcome back, uh, 646-716-9514. Later in the show, now I would like to uh, welcome Dr. Gwen O'Keefe, a uh, board-certified pediatrician and fellow of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Her uh, blog is, her, uh, pot, her uh, website is pediatricsnow.com. Uh, Dr. Gwen, are you there? I am here, Dr. A. How are you? Oh, Good, good. Thank you for being on the show. I, uh, I really appreciate it. I've been, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time, and I, I do want to uh, start out with a confession. Uh, I've been doing my research um, to get to know you a little bit. I mean, you're like everywhere. You're, you do television, you do podcasts, um, and uh, I really appreciate the, the explanations that you do on some of these very complex medical issues for patients and for the public. And I admit I've stolen some of your terminology in trying to explain some of this stuff, but you do that so well. Well, hey, um, I'm, I put it out there to share, so it's good to know other people are finding it useful. Um, so, yeah, usually uh, my first question uh, is, uh, how did you come about to uh, select medicine as a career and pediatrics as a specialty? You know, I think like a lot of doctors who become doctors, it kind of evolves over time. I wasn't one of those kids who said, oh, I want to be a doctor. My parents weren't doctors or anything like that. I just found myself sort of gravitating towards what doctors did as I saw what people in the community were doing when I was a kid. And in college, I explored just following people around and spending time in hospitals and doing cool things like being part of the Boston Children's Hospital Child Life Play Program and kind of seeing how kids interact when they're sick and I just kind of got sucked in. I always liked the pediatric population and just tried out different things I could do with kids. And before I knew it, I was applying to med school, and here I am. Now, are there uh, physicians in your family or anybody in medicine in your family? Not directly. We have got a couple optometrists, and um, that's about it. Lawyers, a lot of lawyers. <laughs> so I defected to the other side. <laughs> Well, to the good side, you know, as exactly. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so um, so are, are you practicing now? Yeah, I do. Um, I've always liked taking care of uh, sort of the sticker kids and did a lot of hospital-based work before I ended up doing a lot of media work and did a lot of sort of emergency room hospital-based stuff. And luckily that translates nicely into office-based urgent care. So I found a nice group that has some weekend urgent care, and I do that on weekends to keep my pediatric hat fresh and kind of well-oiled. And then during the week, I do all my media work. Yeah, that's, I don't even know how you kind of balance all of that. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, I need now, um, <laughs> And I've heard you say that before, actually. And, uh, it is true. It is, one of, it is one of my <laughs> phrases. And when I notice my friends and colleagues get too busy, I'll shoot them an email and go, you need a clone. <laughs> uh, so, um, so a question I always I always get asked is you know what 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 do you I mean I know you kind of touched on this already um, what's what do you really like about your job what's cool about especially being a pediatrician Well, I think what I love about my job the way it's molted over the years is the flexibility and the freedom to do many things and I think pediatrics of all the fields in medicine offers a lot of choice. 
So you can be in the hospital, you can be in the community, you can go into public health, you can go into media. I've always found that fascinating with pediatrics. There's so many different roles for pediatricians in the world because of how important kids are that I've never found a shortage of things to do when I needed to kind of tweak my clinical life. I didn't really love full-time clinical work. That wasn't for me. And I think that's true for a lot of um, female pediatricians. And I think some people like more creativity and other things to do married to their clinical work. And pediatrics kind of affords that. It's just sort of a kind of a catch-all for cool things to do. Um, and you're 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 very uh, very polished um, when you when you present yourself to the media. Have you had any kind of formal training in that, or did, is that something that you that, that interest, interested you and and you just started doing it, or how did you kind of fall into it? Well, thanks. I, I appreciate getting the feedback. I've had no formal training whatsoever. I just um, put myself out there, and I think I've had a fascination for doing it so I've you know just studied the people that are doing it and kind of tried on different hats with what I see people do and ultimately I realized that the best way of being a good media person is to sort of be myself you know just like you've noticed with me online I don't use a lot of big fancy words I try to just chat I'll put my opinions out there I don't always quote the authorities or agree with them and I think that's what makes it work that's what people want they don't want you to kind of quote what everybody else is saying they want you to get out there and Say what you think. They're looking for a real opinion. And I, and I think that comes from training too. I mean, I I feel a real kinship to uh, to pediatricians because you know, I I see kids too. And and uh, uh, even in my residency training, uh, I mean, when I did my rotations at the at the children's hospital, really got along with the pediatric residents and the pediatric attendings. And um, you know, as far as um, you know, just being sensitive to things like not using a lot of terminology. Um, fancy terminology, trying to break things down for patients, and, and not really talk down to them, but but really try to educate them on their level, whatever that is. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, with pediatrics, you deal with a whole family, and sometimes you walk into the room, and it might even be the extended family. I've walked into a room of 20 people before, where it's you know everything from infants to like the fourth generation, and you've got to just figure out how to include everybody and talk to everyone, and using big terms and even introducing yourself as, you know, Dr. O'Keefe, that doesn't work. That's never worked for me at least. So I don't do the white coat. I've had families just call me even by my first name and I don't get all tied up into whether they use the doctor or not doctor. They know I'm a doctor. And, you know, I think that works in pediatrics. Just kind of make people feel comfortable and get them to trust you and just uh, talk to the kids. You know, they're the ones who are the patients. And I think that a lot of families respect that when you do that. Yeah, I, I got uh, I got yelled at when I was uh, when I was a resident um, because I you know I I admit I'm going to admit it right now I really like my white coat I'm going to say that right now because it, <laughs> it, it, it just carries all my stuff. It does. You know? It weighs down your shoulder and you get neck pain and we'll have to get you a chiropractor. Ah. <laughs> So I still use it in the office. I'm, I'm like, well, we, uh, I'm in a group with uh, five other guys, and uh, um, there's two of us that wear the, the lab coats, and then the, the three guys just they just pick on us all day. So it's uh, it's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> really funny. That is very uh, funny. <laughs> I used to get yelled at for um, being too informal when I was a uh, resident because I would put myself out to my families in my continuity clinic, just like I kind of do now, and I remember my preceptor saying, no, that's not the way you talk to families. You need to use these terms and these words, and that just doesn't work. You know, that just scares the crud out of people, and 
I would just kind of notice these big eyes when she would talk and, you know, she would leave the room and I would kind of do my thing the way I do now and people would go like, oh, okay, that's what she was talking about. And, you know, it was just kind of a, a funny disconnect where what I was being told to do is what was not working. Oop, I lost you for a minute. Hello? You there, Dr. A? I think I lost you for a minute. Yeah, yeah my Skype cut out. I'm not sure what happened here. It's, it's been happening with some shows here on the network uh, recently, so it's not you. It's this, it's this Skype thing. So we'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to uh, touch my computer for, <laughs> for the next idea. 70 <laughs> minutes here. So um, so I'm sorry. Yeah, so I, I, uh, There's um, a very active know. discussion going on in the chat room right now about white coats. You really hit a nerve with that one. <laughs> Well, in fact, when, when I started blogging two years ago, um, that was one of the things that I threw out. I, I'll have to revisit that uh, that post because I said, you know, basically what I said to you is like, you know, I like my white coat. You know, maybe I'm like, you know, Linus in, the, in my blanket or something like that where I need my white coat or something like that. And people have told me, hey, let it go. You know, I mean, you're you're a grown up now. You can, uh, you don't need the coat. <laughs> so, so it's a. Uh, <laughs> Um, it was an interesting uh, uh, discussion on the blog, and it looks like it is an interesting discussion right now. So uh, maybe I'll yeah, repost that. Yeah, what's where to be professional? Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think another one of my posts was the, the whole uh, necktie thing. And uh, I, I wear neckties, and I've, I've read all the studies that say all oh, the neckties they carry bacteria, and it causes you know this and that. But I, you know, I still wear it. So maybe maybe one of these shows we'll have a discussion on uh, on uh, professional wear or GQ physicians. That's a good idea. I mean, we're not supposed to get our nails done as uh women and I got got to admit I have broken that rule more than one occasion. <laughs> done the nail um, polish rogue thing. Uh so you're feeling better now. I yeah, am. I am. I did. I got pertussis, a hazard of the trade. It was uh going through one of the local schools and I was just in the wrong room at the wrong time and you know, it was like being part of a, you know, Red Book play. I just kind of, you know, five days later started coughing and just ignored it for a few days, thinking, ah, oh, it's got to be viral, and then wham, it was it. Now, now here, here's something I want to ask you. Now, when you get ill, do you, you self-diagnose? Do you take antibiotics? What do you, what do you, what do you do for physician thyself when you get ill? Well, I have to say I do all of the above most of the time, but I uh, threw out my back in January, and I'm on a few meds for that. So lately I've been in the habit of actually touching base with my own doctor before I go on too many things on my own, just to make sure I'm not going to cause any weird interactions or grow a third head or something. <laughs> so I, I used to treat myself a lot more than I do now. Now that I've had more regular contact with the doctor world, I I just use him. He's very available. So, but before I used to write myself scripts, I still do. But <laughs> for this, I thought, eh, let somebody else make the call. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Uh, yeah, I do the same thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Confession yeah, I mean, I write prescriptions uh, for my kids, and, you know, I, I hardly ever take them to their own pediatrician. It just kind of depends on what's going on. Right, right, yeah. And, you know, and we're in a group practice, so we, you know, we, we take our family members who are other docs in our practice, and that's what's so nice about primary care. We're not specialists. We're like, yeah, just see, you know, Dr. X, and he's across the hall, and, uh, you know, we'll take care of you. Or, or you know, I just write prescriptions for my own family and stuff like that. So this this show isn't being recorded, is it? I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll... What, are we live? 
Oh, yeah. Wow. Is what this is that everybody? Did you just say oh, that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I can, I can edit this later, so don't worry about it. Let's dive back into this media thing. So were, were you doing, like, TV and radio things before the blog, or did you do the blog and then do other media? How, how, what was the timeline on that? I've always done patient education, or I should say medical education, and way back when um, I was sort of a, you know, you kind of get out of residency and your your first sort of job as a real doctor, we were living in Illinois at the time, and I had an opportunity to teach in a medical school out there where I got to do a lot of really cool things and uh, learned how to write curriculum and give lectures and some really neat things for a few years. And then when we moved back to Massachusetts, which which is our home territory, I didn't really want to do that, although it was an interesting experience. And the group I was working for just kind of tossed out to me one day, hey, have you ever thought of column writing? And before I knew it, you know, a, a column once in a while became a monthly to a weekly to a, hmm, should I put this online? And then one day um, my husband, who's in the web world, called me up and said, hey, I've got a great name, and your father's going to copyright it because he's a, a patent lawyer. And then I had a business. It just kind of was one of those weird things. He truly called me in the ER, and he said, we got the business all set, so whenever you're ready to go. Um, and the question that, 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 is, uh, that is curious to me is that, I mean, you've always wanted to use your real name and just be branded that way and be out there on the Internet from the, from the start. I have. I've always been uh, very outspoken about how doctor bloggers have to use their real name, and I think it makes us more authentic and credible and reliable. And I think you get into some hot water if you try to be who you're not. And I think that's where the liability issues come into play on the blog world. If you're blogging for a different reason, not because you want to be a doctor on the blog sphere, then you know use whatever name you want. But if you're representing yourself as an MD, so you should be able to be traceable. People should be able to look you up and, you know, check out who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, even though none of us are giving true medical advice and people should just kind of take it with a grain of salt to a degree, you know, we should stand behind our words. And it's just kind of an ethical mm-hmm. thing with me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I've always been curious, and I've been asking a lot of people on this on my, on my show, is that, uh, you know, kind of going back to the whole Dr. Flea thing and he was blogging during his malpractice trial and things, what, what was your take on that whole situation? Well, I, I uh, kind of saw that all happening. I, I sort of predicted it. I, I know him, actually. He's a, oh, you do? Um, a, a little bit, not well, but he's a guy who practices a couple towns over. I kind of figured out who he was, uh, even though he was um, going by a pseudonym. I just, just by some things that he said, I kind of figured out where in the area he was. And a few of us actually had sent him emails saying, you know, I think you should back off. And he, you know, some of his posts were getting a little more brazen, and he was getting a little more confrontational with people in the comment room. And I think it's, you know, he sort of was a good example of how you can really lose sight of who you are online if you're not who you are. Because I understand his persona as a pediatrician is very different than what he portrayed online. And I think that's kind of interesting. But mm-hmm. it really kind of um, ruined something that was really neat in many ways. You know, when you factor out some of the weirdness he had towards the end, he had a brilliant blog. You know, some of his posts were really very thoughtful and, um, you know, just kind of a good example of how to blog. And then there was this sort of turn towards sort of the dark side, as I call it, where it's like, what happened? How did you end up over here? Right. 
And that's when we all kind of, you know, Dr. Rob and a few people got the healthcare blogger code of ethics going. And I think that was a great idea, just to have something that everyone can stand by where, you know, if you have a healthcare blog and you feel like the way a few of us do and you want to stand behind, you know, be, not being anonymous and following some ethical rules that we can all agree to, it's, it's a way of playing nice, sort of like the Health on the Net Foundation's little descriptors to website. So, you know, I think it ended up helping the blog sphere. But it was painful to watch, and I think it put, put all of us in a tizzy for a little bit because you had to sort of figure out how to post and post carefully, and a few really good blogs went underground for a while. So um, it was a tough blogging time, but I think it taught yeah. us valuable lessons. Don't you think? I mean, I think it was just kind of a, a really challenging time on the blog sphere. I mean, I know I did a lot of thinking about whether I wanted to keep my blog up and running. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I saw it unfold. I was, uh, I was at a CME, and... Uh, um, instead of paying attention to the uh, lecture, I was using the free Wi-Fi, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I really saw funny. I saw his blog go down, and then I saw Fat Doctor's uh, blog go down, and then uh, that's kind of when all the dominoes started to fall, and then that's when the the whole soul searching thing for the medical blogosphere started for the for the next three or four weeks or something like that, and um, and even I took some posts down uh, which I thought were a little bit inflammatory and. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it uh, it made everybody think, but I think you're right. I think it uh, I think uh, the medical blogosphere is better for it, um, and um, well, we'll just kind of see how things things unfold. I, I've seen uh, I, I haven't seen it uh, um, hurt too much. Uh, maybe for about three or four months following that, but I think uh, I think most people have pretty much forgotten about it now, and um, it's kind of in the past. Yeah, I think it's pretty much in the past. I think the blogs that were kind of questionable went away. The people that were skittish kind of figured out what they wanted to do. I think I have noticed um, better politeness in the comments. People are more thoughtful about how they comment, and that's been really kind of nice. People are leaving less comments on blogs, I think, in general, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, I don't know how people have time to leave all those comments, actually. I mean, some people just you find them all over the place leaving comments. It's almost like they're their own little spider but, you know, yeah. it is what it is. You know, the blog sphere can be dangerous. There's a lot of pitfalls. I always warn people when they consult me, you know, as part of what I do, people ask me all the time about blogging and, um, you know, how do you do it and how do you get involved. I'll tell them tread lightly. Start slow and be thoughtful with your first few blog posts. Don't make them too long. You know, be careful who you reach out to and just, you know, don't jump too fast. It's one of those places where you got to look before you leap, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, and I've I've felt myself evolve as a blogger or a new media person or whatever over the past couple of years because you know now I'm like the world's you know worst anonymous doctor because I you know I do a podcast I do video casts and all this other kind of stuff so one of these days I'm gonna say hey this is me <laughs> but I don't funny. know when I, I don't know when that's gonna be <laughs> yeah we know we're staying in your face but that's all right exactly. we will find you. So did you do the the blogger blog first, or did you do the Pediatrics Now site first, or how how did that go? I did the um, the Pediatrics Now site first, and I was busy growing that and getting some advice on kind of where to go and what to do. And one day at lunch with a friend of mine who's involved in media, basically he said, hey, you need a blog. And I didn't really know a lot about blogs, but I looked them up online and, like a lot of us, just kind of went to Blogger and figured out how to do it and thought, hey, this is kind of cool. And then um, there I was. But it came out about maybe a year after the website. 
the website I wanted to kind of launch first and figure that out. And the time I launched the website in 2005, blogs were out there but not quite the way they are now. And then a year, year and a half later, um, blogs are everywhere. Everyone had one. Yeah. And now that's yeah. how people find me. It seems like the blog has become the bigger thing, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. Huh. Yeah, so you oh. know, a lot of my media contacts now, people will contact me through my blog, people who want reviews of books or even interviews. Um, I syndicate my blog, and that gets all over the country and the world, and it's just amazing the people who read it and find it. So that's kind of a neat thing, whereas the website I just kind of keep nice and controlled and keep my columns on there and some just very neatly packaged information. So it allows kind of an editorial feature. Did you kind of have a vision for the for the the website part? I mean, did you just want to do content, or how did I guess how did the uh, the uh, the TV interviews get on there, and how did that all happen? I think you know it was one of these things where it started off as a very small venture where I thought maybe I'd put some articles up and then go on and try to market myself more as a medical writer and um, more do some more media work. And as we were putting all the articles up, a few people started making suggestions for the different features that you now see on the website. It just kind of literally blossomed. So it started off being what I pictured was going to be just a static marketing tool. And then before I knew it, I had this thing that I was updating every month, and it just kind of grew to this whole thing. If uh, you're just joining us, our guest is uh, Dr. Gwen O'Keefe, her uh uh, blog is uh, Dr. Gwen is in pediatrics. Uh, the, the address is pediatricsnow.blogspot.com. She also has a website, pediatricsnow.com. And of course, the phone number here is 646 716 9514. If you'd like to jump in and say hello, um, something that you and I discussed over email, and, and I've, I've discussed this with other physicians as well, is physicians really being advocates for ourselves for for whatever reason it is whether it's a clinical topic whether it's a legislative type thing um and i think you and i have done some work with respect to our professional organizations for advocacy what kind of work have you done with the uh, american academy of pediatrics well in um Right now I'm doing a, a huge amount of work. I'm on the Council of Communication and Media, which is a new council. It was the marriage of um, a committee of communications and the section of media, and now as a council it has some real power behind it and can be making some policies. And with media being kind of the clearinghouse of all messages to families, this is a pretty important new council for the AAP. And a couple of years ago when I joined um, the then section of media, they kind of saw my website and called me up and said, hey, you know, we want a website. You feel like writing one for us? We'll, we'll help you with it. And before I knew it, I was um, named to be the editor-in-chief of this big project, and now I just launched a blog with them. So essentially, I'm doing what I do for myself for this big committee, this big council of the AAP. And that's been really exciting because it's allowed me to kind of not only help tailor the way the messages get across to people, but understand how the messages get drafted, which before I didn't have a good sense of. Sometimes you'd hear the AAP statements and you'd be like, whoa, why, why is it being done that way? And once you have sort of an understanding as an insider of sort of the politics and why you have to craft a message a certain way, I think it's made me more sensitive to how you have to talk to people and why and maybe the timing of certain things. You know, some of it's just career evolution, too. When you're a younger pediatrician, you don't understand all those little, little finesse points of when do you talk to people about certain issues. And um, with the 
you know, counsel and communications and media, it's allowed me an opportunity to kind of pull together all my media work for families and sort of bring it into a professional level too. And the nice perk is I'm now able to help other pediatricians do this and launch blogs and try to entice other people to reach out to their communities and write local newspaper articles and other cool things. So I think that's important, you know, sharing your own background and letting people know what you do. It's a way to motivate people to do it because there's a lot of people out there thinking about it. They just don't know where to begin. Yeah, I've talked a lot about this uh, when uh, when Kevin Foe was on the show, KevinMD.com, and and uh, he he uh, gave some tips on you know how physicians can get you know at least get involved and, and try to uh, you know um, at least write opinion pieces or try to get the message out. When 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 you try to help you know your fellow colleagues on trying to get uh, advocacy or trying to get involved with their own local community, what kind of stuff do you tell them? I think it's important to start in your backyard. You know, I think everyone has the vision of ending up on Good Morning America, but I, do, I don't think that's necessarily the way to go. And I think sometimes you can have much more impact if you just look in your own community. Every community has a local newspaper and a local TV show, and believe it or not, they're all looking for experts. And a lot of it's free time, and that's time we don't all have to give. But you can give a four-minute little talk with a you know, anchor on a TV show, and it does a world of good for people, and it gets you a nice little reputation, and sometimes it's just a matter of a phone call to your local TV show, or calling up a producer, or sending out an email. The newspapers are the same thing. They're always looking for expert articles, or people to guest blog, or if they don't have a blog, to author one. So I tell people, reach out locally. Find out what's happening in your own community. Do they have a a cable TV show? Do they have a town newspaper? Or do they have a regional newspaper? You know, what's your interest? Do you want to be on TV? Do you want to be on the Internet? Do you want to be in print? Some people like me like to do it all. Some people just want to be (laughs) behind closed, closed doors. But there really is something for everybody out there. You just have to kind of be brave enough to basically blind call and you know i've done that a lot and uh more times than not they'll be like yeah and we'd love to have you come on in let's talk so is that is that kind of how it happened with you uh, did you reach out to your local tv station and say god this is uh i think i have some good information you know i, I i'd like to share or like how, how how did that happen that happened um Partly due to me reaching out and partly by all the media work I had already done, I was asked to be on an advisory committee for the newspaper I write for, Parents and Kids, and as part of the same committee was one of the New England Cable News producers. And we just clicked, and before I knew it, he was inviting me to come on. And it was a, a real nice relationship. So, you know, what started as a once-a-month thing became, became a couple times a month, and then I did um, two shows. I've kind of backed off a little bit because of how busy I've become, and when I injured my back, I realized I couldn't do it all. I had to just kind of throw in the towel on some things. But it's, it was a nice relationship, and it still is. You know, it's, it's nice to have a local TV show where, you know, you've, you feel like you're doing some good, and they're reaching out to the people that, you know, you're drinking Starbucks coffee with. Those are the people <laughs> that you really want to reach out to. So start, oh, yeah, I mean... start, start with your fellow Java lovers and expand. <laughs> now, do you pick the topics for the TV thing, or do they pick the topics, or is it a mix, or how does that work? It's often a mix. You know, I think if for the nationals, uh, they'll contact you, but uh, the national websites I work with, interestingly, they want the experts to pick the topics usually, but for the TV stuff and the print, there's usually a dialogue that goes on where they really want the experts to help tailor, you know, the content, and I think that's nice, because a lot of us have our fingers in what the content is. 
Now, how do you uh, personally keep abreast of the current uh, current events as far as uh, health news and medical news? I am just such an internet junkie. You should see my homepage. I have Yahoo with like a gazillion news sources on there, and I just watch those headlines like a hawk a few times a day. Get news alerts, um, watch the news, and it doesn't take me that long, really. But you know, I, I do peruse it to make sure I'm fresh, so I'm up to date. If somebody calls and says, "Hey, have you heard about the story?" I can say, "Yeah, I have actually," and then we can talk about it. Because chances are, if it's ended up in two or three news sources, if you have an in with a local reporter, they'll call you. So you want to make sure that you at least have looked at the headlines once. And you don't need to be kind of a total junkie like I am and read, you know, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, Reuters, WebMD. I check them all just to make sure I'm not missing anything. Wow. But I think and that's what I seriously do. But I just have them on my homepage, so it's really just a visual. Whoa, hello? Hello? I think, uh, yeah, see, this, uh, I, th I think we lost Dr. Gwen. Um, yeah, this, uh, this blog talk radio set is just, is, it's been really kind of, uh, wanky lately, if that's a word. Um, it's been really, uh, really, uh, temperamental. And, uh, this is not the only show that this has happened with, so, uh, um, so I'm not getting a complex as far as, um, you know, people trying to, uh, uh <laughs> kick me off the network here so um so uh so we're uh, we're waiting uh hopefully that uh, dr Gwen will will uh will call back in and uh, we can uh, continue our uh, conversation if you'd like to join us uh, the number here is uh uh 646 uh 716 9514 and um yeah it's just uh it's it's just interesting stuff i it's uh uh, it's really interesting, um, you know, talking with with uh, with doctors who are, you know, really into the media thing, you know, and I, I I'm kind of, you know, really dabbling into it um, myself. I'm trying to um, um, get in uh, with uh, my local newspaper and, you know, maybe trying to write some op-ed pieces and, and that type of thing. So, Dr. Gwen, are you back? Are you there? Hello. Hello? Hmm. I have you popping up on my board here. Um, let me try this. And let me try this again. All right. Are you there now? So, uh, Dr. Gordon, why don't you try to call in again, and I will try to move some things around um, on my uh, on my screen here, and uh, we'll try to reset things. So I will reset my switchboard here, and um, I will try to reset uh, my chat room there, and um, try to click off some of these other stuff here. Try that. We'll try that. All right. Now we'll try this again. Dr. Gwen. I'm here. Wow. See, this is, this is the beauty of live Internet radio. <laughs> I know. It's very exciting. You just never know what you're going to say and whether you're going to get cut off. <laughs> no, this is uh, – uh, I've, I've gotten used to this. Actually, when I first started my show, for the first probably five or ten shows – I was having a lot of technical difficulties, and it got a little bit better. 
And then in the past two or three weeks, I've had some problems, and there's been some problems on some other shows. So uh, so we'll just kind of uh, try to uh, go on here. I, I tried doing a uh, kind of a pre-recorded uh, podcast probably about, I don't know, eight months ago or something like that, and uh, it really didn't do much for me. I, I'm really liking this kind of uh, live interactive type thing. It's kind of... Uh, uh, helping my ADD as far as the uh, the camera and the chat room and talking with people on the phone. So, <laughs> yeah, the live thing is uh, is is exciting. I I actually prefer live TV over tape TV too. I find it very invigorating just to kind of have the whole thing evolve and whatever you say is out there. You can't take it back. Yeah, this is this is like uh, one take. When I when I when I did my pre-recorded podcast, I would I would I would do it like three or four times, not really be happy with it. But this is just like you just. You fly with it and then uh, see what happens. So, um, in the um, in the chat room, Chris made a comment. How badly did I want to tear my eyes out after seeing the Green for Vaccines event? Chris, very badly. It was. Uh, did you catch that on Good Morning America with Jenny McCartney and the you know Green for Vaccine march that they had on Washington and the whole autism thing that she's trying to debunk? It was a very scary moment for pediatricians. But um, that that would be a good topic for another show, the whole vaccine autism debate and how we're handling it in the uh, pediatric world. It's a tough one. Yeah, let, let, let's kind of dip into that a little bit, not not that specific issue, but immunizations uh, in general is just, um, I you know, I get a lot of pushback, too, because uh, we immunize kids in my office, and it's just, um, you know, I have parents bringing articles in, not being really vehement about it, they're just confused uh, because there's a lot of confusing information out there. Um, how do you try to answer questions or how do you try to direct pediatricians or even primary care or family practice people to say, you know, this is the right information and this is how we should educate our patients the right way? It's a tough line to straddle because I think early in all of our careers, I know I used to try to argue with people more and you try to take, I know people who would say, well, if you don't vaccinate your kids, you're out of the practice. Well, I don't think you can do that either because these kids still need health care. And hopefully you can win people over, but it's very hard to talk to people when they're talking with their fear leading the way. I find most people where I practice, it's a very sophisticated community. They tend to be very thoughtful, and eventually we get them to come around. They're very study-oriented around here, so I find that's very helpful to me because if you quote a study that says the timing of vaccines has been shown to be very important and then they hear a celebrity say, oh, no, we need to muck with the timing, well, you know what? Families who are smart are going to start believing the studies and the experts. I think that can be a plus. And I think what pediatricians and family docs have to do is we just have to keep a cool head and not let some of these stars and the glitter get to us because they are just, you know, poking and needling us and almost waving a carrot in front of us, waiting for us to explode. And what the families need is calm and science and just a consistent message that the vaccines are safe and that the hard part for them to understand is medicine evolves. It's a science. So we can't predict tomorrow what people will discover. All we can say is today we know that they're as safe as they can be today. And I just stick to that. I stick to what we know today. I don't try to even get into discussions about the future. I try to stick to the evolution of science and we're doing the best we can, and, you know, I'd rather my child have a vaccine reaction than get one of these diseases, and you just kind of go with that angle and hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I get really frustrated, too, when 
when uh, political groups try to make some of these uh, immunizations a, a, a political point or something like that. When when the whole HPV vaccine came out, it was uh, I had a lot of people in my office, you know, just just really really confused about it. And they say, well, this is what they're saying on TV, and this is what this side is saying. This is what this side is saying. Um, it's 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 a very controversial issue, and it really doesn't need to be. And that's something that really frustrates me. Yeah, um, me too. And I think what's really hard is the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics and, you know, the American Academy of Family Practitioners, everyone's come together with the same consistent message. It, it couldn't be more united right now, and it's hard to get that through when you have a couple stars going on all the morning shows trying to say that autism can be cured. You know, what do you do with that? You know, it's hard to explain to a family that there is no cure for autism. A child who might have been given a presumptive diagnosis who's now better did not have autism. It was something else. And I feel for families who can't embrace what their children have, and some of these stars clearly can't, but it's really harming all these other families who don't have these resources to get whatever their other kids had. And I think that's what's sad for me is, you know, these families are getting just hopelessly lost and confused, and you just have to try to separate out the two issues and hope that eventually they'll just keep their kids immunized while they're sorting through their confusion, which a lot of families will do. You know, there's a, a lot of kids who've gotten measles on a on a horrible rise right now, and I think that's starting to scare people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, and it is uh, very confusing every year because there's, there's these new immunization recommendations that come out every year, and there's there's boosters now that there used to be not boosters a few years ago, and, and it's even hard for me to keep up. I, I, I try to try to keep up to the CDC website and say, you know, what what is it this week? Because it, it's probably going to exactly. change next week. I, I don't even try to learn the immunization schedule. I just, you know, you just look at it and people come in for their shots and you just give them whatever the chart says. You know, I think there was a day we could memorize the schedule and not anymore. Hmm. I feel for residents today having to take their boards. A lot of well, I got to take my boards next month, so that uh, I'm very acutely aware of some of this stuff. <laughs> well, you'll be very smart when you go into the boards. Well, I mean, it's just like med school, you know. I'm like, I'm, I'm filling, you know, my head with all this information. I'll dump it all out when I. Oop! I lost you again. Oh, good. You guys can hear me. So I'll keep talking. What do you guys want to hear about? So we can talk about vaccines. Oh, wait, cool. Hello. Oh, hey, Dr. A. I was just about to keep going. They said in the chat room they could keep, uh, they could hear me. So I thought, ah, oh, I'll just keep the show going. Yeah, on. just keep going. <laughs> I, went, I had no uh, idea what was happening for a while. I just kept saying, hello, can you hear, can people hear oh. me? I, well, and we just saw I, you frantically hunt for the headphone. Good to have you back. I uh, I went I went to the landline, so I've uh, you know it's bad when I already have a Plan B and Plan C in place because this has happened to me so many times. So 
Um, oh, wow. Well, that's good to know. Next time I'm uh, on, I'll know just to keep chatting away. It doesn't matter whether you lose your headphones or fall <laughs> for your speed or whatever happens. Um, so you're, uh, uh, we, we talked on email, too, that you're, you're looking to accumulate some of your posts and write a book. How is how's that? Yeah, I've always had this dream to kind of get some stuff published, and one of the thoughts I had was to take some of the columns that I, I've written over eight years of columns now, and I think some of them are um, would ni- be nicely organized into a book. And parents like little books of things to flip through, and they like little things to read, not gigantic chapters on you know the equivalent of a med school book. So I just thought it would be fun to kind of take some of my favorite columns and throw them in a book and put it out there for those people that want it. Just kind of one of those dreams I've always had. And in addition to doing that, I have other ideas for books, too. So this just seemed like a good time to kind of maybe take a crack at book writing. It's a hard thing to do. The book market is a weird one, and a lot of people are self-publishing, and there's it's really hard to break into the big publishers. But the self-publishing thing kind of sounds fun. And with all of us having websites and blogs, e-publishing could be fun, too. Let people just download it. Yeah, you you you, just, you want to do this whole deal yourself. That's interesting. Yeah, you you know you if you're gonna go through the work of publishing a book, I figure I want the money involved, and you know you're not gonna make a lot of money publishing a book nowadays in any case. But I I certainly don't want to give it to a publisher, and um, unless it was a big publisher. And the thing is, it takes so long for them to get the book to print. So you give it to them, and then you know two years later you might have your book. If you self-publish it, you have the thing out in you know a month, six weeks, something like that. So that sounds been, like the way to go. Have you been able to find out some information on it at all, or as, as far as where? Yeah, there's a lot of great information. There's a big group called iUniverse that does a lot of self-publishing, and um, I'm very active online with Writer's Digest, where I get a lot of writing information about the freelance world. And when I started doing all the health writing initially, I did a lot of uh, freelance writing courses, and I get Writer's Digest journal and. You know, as part of being a writer, I kind of try to cultivate that side of my life. And they write a lot about how to get published. And one of the big things right now is think seriously about being self-published. So there's a lot of information on just writersdigest.com about, you know, where do you go and how do you figure out which group to go with. And there's two or three big groups out there that seem like they allow you a good amount of control and you can set your royalty rate and decide what price you want to set it at and make them – cover nice and work with some nice graphic designers. Some of them have editors, too, so you can pay a little bit more and they'll edit your book for you. So it seems like a good deal. Hmm. Um, our guest is uh, Dr. Gwen O'Keefe. Our phone number here is 646-716-9514. And uh, we'd be happy to talk with you if, if I can uh, if I can keep the show going, if I don't get kicked off again. I think there may <laughs> be a conspiracy here on uh, Block Talk Radio to... Uh, not have my show going on. I don't know. We have, might have to look into that. Um, so, um, so, um, are you like me? Do you like not sleep? I mean, do, do you just like you know just kind of keep uh, keep updated on news and keep updated on this and that? I mean, how do you how do you how do you balance it all? Have, have you had problems with you know trying to try to balance it out with your family and everything else? I mean, how do you do it? Well, I think I had more trouble balancing life when I was a practicing, full-time practicing doc because I was gone more of the time. But working from home, running my own business, I'm, I work when my kids head off to school. They're in middle school and elementary school now, and next year they'll both be in middle school. So they're not youngsters, so it's nice. They don't have little tiny people running around, and they're pretty independent. And, you know, I'm able to get a lot done when they're at school, so that's a nice six-hour hunk of time. And I get them to where they need to be after school, where I can spend time with them. 
And then after they go to bed, you know, just like I'm doing now, I'm able to get some things done. So it's, um, I feel like my balance is good now because I'm running my own show. I can choose when I want to do things. If I need to work till, you know, midnight or one, I can choose when I need to do that. If I want to work on a Saturday, I can do that. But, you know, I feel like I'm able to get to what I need to for my kids and I can get done what I need to and work and I can say no to things. So I can sort of choose my own chaos and that's kind of a nice feeling. You know, when your kids are really busy, you need to be able to do that. See, that, that's what people have told me. They said, uh, they said, hey, clinical medicines for the birds need to get out and uh, do actually something fun. <laughs> and I, and I've, only, I've only I've been practicing less than ten years, and and uh, I don't know if I'm just uh, just getting real uh, frustrated with the whole thing. And it's just, um, yeah. And I've said this before on my blog. I mean, my work gets gets in in the way of me blogging. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So um, when I was working in the ER full-time, it was getting in the way of me writing, and that was sort of like, well, come on. you know. And part of that was full-time ER work. You're only doing two, three shifts a week, but they're 12-hour shifts, so by the time you're done, you're toast. Yeah. You, know, you get home at 3 in the morning. You know, It was like doing a 24-hour shift. I just couldn't do it anymore, even though I loved it. I just you know, didn't have the stamina for it, and I was finding I was missing out on years for my kids. I wasn't going to get back, and... I, you know, you don't become a parent, I think, to do that. I'd rather, you know, defer the growth of my business, defer financial gains and all those things that I see some people in my community actively going for and be home with my kids and know that one of us is home. And when I'm not home, usually my husband tries to be home. So they, there's always a parent available. And we've just worked hard to be able to create that dynamic. It's taken a while. I mean, we we don't always get it right. But, you know, you do the best you can. Right, yeah. Um, in our closing moments here, um, where do you uh, where do you see your blog going? Where do you see the pediatricsnow.com site going in the next you know year or two years or three years? Well, I definitely see pediatrics now heading more towards a web 2.0 format. There's a lot of different ways of doing it, but I'd like the site to be a little bit more streamlined, give people more social networking and bookmarking perks, and I'm actively exploring how I want to do that, what I want the features of the site to look like. The site was written in more of an older template format, and I want it to be a little bit easier to kind of stroll through and um, get the information from. So I'm, I'm looking into doing that for the website. And with the blog, I just kind of see it growing in the way child health grows. You know, whatever way families need it to grow is, I think, the way I'm going to grow it. I started off doing the blog to give people information. And I feel like if I set out to stick to that one consistent message, sort of a mission statement, if you will, I think that will always kind of steer me in the right path. I've, I've always found if I don't have a very long list of, you know, kind of steps I have to take to move forward, it works best. I, I keep the map kind of clear with the direction I'm heading in. Do you I don't have a grand road map. As far as kind of like the, the, the medical, whatever you want to call it, new media or blogosphere or something going, I mean, do do you really see it going towards more social networking, or how, how do you see kind of the blogosphere evolving, you know, before you're out? I, I think we're all heading towards social networking, and I think websites are heading that way too. If you look at new websites like um, a site like Mom Logic, for example, which is a Warner Brothers website, I help them out and, do, and write some posts for them. They design their whole site in a blog format, and I think that allows it to be syndicated more easily. It allows you to post more easily. It allows you to control the content more easily. It allows your users to interact more dynamically. So I think we're all heading that way. I think the whole blog sphere, and you know, it's all heading to be more interactive. And I think that's kind of neat. 
I think there's a danger to it too. You know, it's like being involved with, you know, Twitter. You could have people ping you with every little thing that they're doing. I don't, I don't think we want to be over-involved in each other's virtual lives. But I think, you know, people are becoming isolated and too many people are having jobs where they're at home doing things like I'm doing. It's nice to have kind of a dynamic online life as long as people realize that that's kind of part of their life and they get outside once in a while. Unplug. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm still kind of debating. It's just, you know, this whole, I mean, this whole clinical medicine thing is just that I, it's, it's, there, there's just so much more potential for physicians, you know, and I, I, I really, you know, I mean, we, we need the, uh, you know, the, uh, the first contact, the, the, the people that, that, that do the medicine, you know, every day with patients, but, uh, um, you know, medicine or physicians, even as uh, um, advocates, um, there's so much more that can be done. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm just—I guess for me myself personally, I'm trying to figure out how to do that because um, it's, it's hard for me just to. Because I, I, right at this point, I really still love doing clinical medicine, but I'm kind of seeing the the other um, avenues out there as I'm talking with more people. I'm talking with you, and I'm talking with other people, or I'm commenting on people's blogs or podcasts and things. There's so much more that physicians can do to advocate for ourselves and for our patients. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, you said you've been out, what, about 10 years now? You know, I think yeah. we all get to that point where that was around when I started thinking, um, you know, I'm just a couple steps ahead of you. I think you hit that 10-year mark where you realize clinical medicine plateaus. It plateaus in opportunity. It plateaus in income. And I found that a little undesirable. You put in all that time and effort. Your workday keeps growing, so your essential salary decreases. I wasn't finding that acceptable. So I think the model has to change if they want to keep people in clinical medicine. Maybe there's going to be more job shares. I don't know what the solution is, but the current model isn't working. It's not keeping enough of us interested, and it's also not working out economically because we're all putting in so much time and we're essentially losing money in the end. At the 10-year mark, if we were in a corporation, we'd be making a heck of a lot more money than you make in clinical medicine where you kind of you get board certified, you get that big hunk and nice raise in income, and then it stays there forever. I don't think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you work with medical students? Um, not on weekends, but if I was in the same office during the week, I would. I, uh, you know, I, I could have – I was doing some stuff with Harvard Medical School a few years ago. I just can't do it all. So I decided just to keep things nice and neat and, um, you know, stick with my little online world. It's hard to precept people part-time. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I ask that is that I, is that I work with them a little bit, and, and I'm seeing kind of the trends that way too is more part-time work, you know, not like the, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago where docs, or you know, worked 100 hours, you know, and they, were, they did everything. And now we're, we're seeing these little segments being carved out as far as, you know, docs only being in the hospital or or only doing urgent care or only doing outpatient medicine. And it's uh, medicine as, as an industry is is, uh, is evolving that way as well. I think so. And I think probably it'll end up okay in the end, but I think we're in this flux period where, um, you know, we don't know where it's heading and there's a lot of us who are defecting and leaving the clinical world to a huge degree. And I'm only doing about 10% clinical practice right now, and that works for me. And I know a lot of female pediatricians who aren't even doing that much. They're just essentially home with their kids, doing a little bit of media work or maybe teaching somewhere. But they just kind of found that clinical medicine just doesn't meet the needs of today's families, which is kind of weird because we care for families, so we're supposed to be doing that and experts in doing that, but we don't allow ourselves to care for our own families. So I think that the people running the medical shows have to look inside and say, hey, you know, we've got to figure out how to let doctors take care of their own families. 
And if we figure out that, maybe they'll be happier and then they can take care of people better. Right, right, right. Kind of think in a reverse way. Mm-hmm. But I think there's always going to be the need for media people like us doing stuff. And, you know, if you're feeling yourself being pulled to do other things, I'd follow that gut. That's what I did. You know, just when you when you leap, you just can't look down because it's kind of scary because you're taking a, a whole redirect in your career. But it's fun to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what I'm doing with this is just kind of dabbling with it and, uh, um, you know, kind of see how I like it and kind of see what the experience is and, you know, just kind of putting my toe in the big ocean of media exposure um, and uh, I, it's been enjoyable up to this point, and, 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 you know, one of these days I'll be like you all, just say, hey, you know, I'm just giving this up, and I'm, you know, putting all my energy towards this, and, and uh, that'll be the next uh, career path in my life. Well, that sounds like a good path to take, and you'll have more time to maybe get a radio show on a bigger network, or you could end up on, you could end up on Sirius Network or XM. You never know. Yeah. That would be that would be fun actually. Um, that would be fun. You have any closing thoughts for us this evening? You know, um, you know what my advice to people would be just what I've always done is I've just followed my gut in the clinical world and in medicine in general. And I think what you have to do as a doctor is look out for your own happiness professionally. And it may not be the natural path that you're being told you have to take as a doctor that was drummed into our heads in medical school and residency, I didn't take that natural path at all. And everything has worked out very well for me. And I think sometimes you just have to be brave enough to say, you know what, this isn't working, and I'm going to find something else to do. The medical world allows a lot of offers and a lot of choice for all of us because of our education. So I I think there's a lot of unhappy doctors out there. And if they all took a step back, instead of leaving the field, I suggest people try to reinvent the field. Find something else to do, and I think it'll help healthcare, and I think it'll help the media world, and then we'll have a lot more happier people, and then people will be able to call in more for shows like this. So that's what I would suggest. Well, well said. Um, well, thank you, Doctor Gwyneth. Thank you, Royal Doctoring. The uh, website is called PediatricsNow.com. Thanks a lot, Doctor Gwyneth. It's uh, definitely have to bring you back this week because I, I. I love just talking about just issues like this. I, I think I think physicians need to talk about issues like this and and not you know not so much about you know education or health policy. I mean just 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 some of these type of issues. Yeah, that would be fun to do. We could do a show on you know quality of life issues. I've certainly learned a lot of lessons along the way and would be happy to share. And I got to tell you that I've um, I had a lot of you know heartache along the way too. And I think those stories are worthwhile sharing too. There's a lot of tough clinical things that happen to a lot of us, bad work experiences, a little bit of bullying that happens in the workplace. Those things need to get aired. I think especially for young doctors, they need to know how to deal with those things because they do exist. The workplace can be a challenging place. You know, you're definitely put through the ropes. Well, great. Hey, thank you so much. We definitely have to bring you back at some point, and we'll we'll, we'll come up with a topic. And uh, I can't believe we talked for an hour on all this stuff. So it's yeah, me me neither. Well, thanks, Doctor A, and thanks everybody for your comments in the chat room. And uh, hopefully, we'll all talk soon. Okay. Thank you very much.